welcome to the Fabulous Fools Book Club Tarot Podcast. This is V with the Mystical Millennial. And this is Karen with Grail Seekers Quest. We have, well, it's not really a totally new title, but you know. But our, but our like Instagram handle and stuff is the same. It's the so. same. It's just more books. Although, <laughs> every time I use the word handle, I feel like I'm some kind of like 55 year old like semi truck driver. <laughs> like, do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's always the word that comes to mind. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where you're called yeah. on it. I don't know, Karen. You've changed yours so many times that I feel like you would have a yeah. word for it. I get, I'm I'm done now. Like, I, you're right, though. I I should have a word for it. <laughs> I think it's, I don't even know what it is. Profile <laughs> name. Oh. oh, my gosh. Well, we've been away for two months. We didn't announce our hiatus. It just kind of happened. Because because I needed a break from life, but also my podcast is out and happening. (laughs) The mystical. It was a stress atus. Woo! Well, (laughs) you ladies started your job. Amazing career woman. Yeah, and it's sucking my life, but that's fine. (laughs) Like I. No, like, I, having kids at home, I get why all these people, like, want to send their kids back to school, even though they're still, like, in some places, like, really, you know, like, high rates of COVID. Mm -hmm. It's because you literally, you literally get nothing done. Mm. (laughs) They don't learn, and you don't get work done. (laughs) But everybody's busy all day. Like, what the hell? (laughs) I I mean, I'm not comparing having a dog to having kids, because I know there's a lot of other nuances, but I had one day... Where Patrick had to go into the office. So it was just me and the dog. And the dog, Leah, darling, adorable dog. Yeah. But we live in a high rise. We live on the 13th floor. And Leah, little Miss Pris, we take her out in the morning to go potty at like 8. And she's usually good to like 4 or 5 o'clock even if we had to go that long. This morning, Patrick, of course, is gone. I take her downstairs. It's like 8 in the morning. And it's sprinkling. And little Miss Pris walks out and is like, (laughs) nope, and like pulls me back to the elevator. So we go back. I'm in a freaking meeting, not an hour later. And she's like whining at the back door. And I'm like, oh, my God, chill. Just let me get done with this meeting. Well, I let her outside and she tries to eat the jalapeno plant. I managed to mute myself in the meeting and drag her back inside. And then... She tries to take a poop on the floor because she just couldn't lick. Yeah. So I just like discreetly (laughs) logged out of the meeting, took her downstairs. And you know what she didn't do when I got her all the way downstairs? (laughs) She didn't shit. She ate grass for like 20 minutes. Oh, is she sick? She was fine. No, (laughs) this is just her being a diva. (laughs) And that, and then she needed to go out two hours later and still didn't poop. Oh and Patrick God. finally gets home at one point and I was like, you are taking her out the rest of the day. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and that's just like my micro problems with my dog. I can't even imagine the kids like, I need a snack. What is two plus five? I don't get it. <laughs> like, oh my God. Well they, well, they fight, you know, and it's like, I, I can't. I can't right now. You can't have a uh-uh. fight <laughs> in a <Yeah>. work meeting. <laughs> oh my god, no! Uh, that's my dumb. That's my dumb story. 
you know, just of dealing. That's that job. But every, you know, it's like, just because you don't have kids doesn't mean that you don't have stuff like that. (laughs) I just don't, like, my story is kind of funny and just, like, more mildly annoying (laughs) as opposed to, you know, the everyday minutia of, like, children and everything that comes with children. Like, my biggest thing is, what was I planning on feeding them for lunch all week? I mean, I, I... Make we make the grocery list and we go grocery shopping and then every day I go to make lunch and I'm like I don't really feel like we have any lunch food like what happened and that's been like oh. for five weeks like what's wrong with me uh-huh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my kids can make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I feel like I just need to tell them to do that I mean butter knives are not threatening in the that's hands right. of little kids first graders they can do that They're fine. Give them the plastic <laughs> ones. They'll be fine. Just keep them yeah. away from each other when they're making the <laughs> right, sandwiches. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The, but that's what we've been doing, dealing with, you know, all of yeah, the, the things. Craziness, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, it's funny. Normally we go on a huge tangent here, but I don't want to talk about my stressful real life. I just want to talk I just want to talk about Binti and all of her amazingness and all of her like incredibly crazy problems. Yeah, well, and I think this is like an auspicious day to get back into our podcast because it's it just all of a sudden today got cool, dark, and rainy. And it was so, rainy here too. Oh, cool! So it's totally like fall weather, and I've just been—it just feels like. I mean, I think when I really got into tarot once and for all, it was the fall. And yeah. So, I think, well, yeah, because I got into it. If you want to hear the full origin story of how mm-hmm. I got into tarot, you can check out the first That's episode right. of my podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, my I got into it really on my birthday, which is in September, at the beginning of September. So, like, I'm getting into... I, and it was funny because I was, like, weird. I was weirded out about Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I was I was worried that I was going to have some sort of weird portal opening in my house during Halloween because I was now a tarot reader (laughs) (laughs) and nothing happened but it's funny now because I'll have like weird noises happen and like things go missing and I'm just like ah it's the fucking fairies whatever (laughs) (laughs) it does it barely phases me anymore because I'm like light a black candle get the fuck out of my house like (laughs) (laughs) and when I first started I was just like oh no it's three in the morning Oh, God, what's coming to get me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I I have to tell you, I mean, the, I, the most scared I've ever been in my life is when I always imagine that I'm going to be brave if there's ever an intruder in the house, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, mm-hmm. I just had it thrown in my face that I so would not be because one time I, my husband and I were sleeping. My kids love balloons. We got him a balloon for his birthday. And this thing had floated from downstairs or out of his room as like a helium balloon into our bedroom at night and it got stuck in our ceiling fan and so I hear this really loud but really odd sounding like thunk thunk and at the same time like my husband like wakes up and and I go, huh, what's that? And like, and then he like screams, and then I scream because he screams. I mean, it was so. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I mean, I was literally terrified. I feel like I could feel gray hairs like coming through my hair, and like, oh my god. And then we looked up, and it's this dumb, dumbass balloon. 
No. Okay, I would be more terrified that it was Balloon because I've watched it and oh. that would be horrifying. <laughs> horrifying. I was like, that's it. Like, whenever I pretend like I'd be so brave if someone came into my house, I now realize I would be a complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's too funny. <laughs> that's too freaking funny. Uh <sighs> Okay, well, we are definitely going to talk about Binti and African futurism genre, which I'm I'm really excited to talk about that. And then there's differences between Afrofuturism and African futurism, which Ooh, I, I just didn't. learned today. I did yeah. not know that. I, saw I that just learned this today, and I'll explain that. But cool. um, before we run off the fucking rails, <laughs> like, <laughs> like we did with The Witcher. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Ooh, we didn't have an outline for The Witcher. We just, like, turned it on. That's why we... And that's when we were like, we need a break. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed The Witcher a little bit. But we need to address the fact the Fabulous Fools Tarot Podcast turned one year old on September 17th and we fucking missed it. We did. We're one year old. It's amazing. That's really it's, awesome. I know. We made it a whole year. We've changed complete format which is the other thing that we have to address so it it will be a once a month book club so Mm -hmm. we're still gonna do a collective reading and a tarot spread and but we're gonna talk about books there will always be spoilers because it doesn't make any sense if it's gonna be a full-on book club but the good news is you can listen at your leisure so if you're like i don't have time to read binti this month you can just catch up with us whenever you finish it yeah so that's all the announcements I have for today. Mm-hmm. Do you have any announcements, Karen? <laughs> no. No, no <laughs> big announcements. <laughs> okay. Cool. Since we're only going to do these once a month now, for now we're just going to address the current astrological seasons for our collective readings. Yeah. Like, you know, our typical thing where I pull one for Karen, she pulls one for mm-hmm. me, we both pull one for both of y'all. I don't know about you, Karen, but sometimes I'll listen to these, like, monthly forecast stuff, mm-hmm. and I it will completely leave my brain. <laughs> I know I have to go back at the end of the month and be like, did that, did that work? Did that actually work? <laughs> I'm more about, like, daily or, like, weekly yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're about, like, um, two weeks into Libra season mm-hmm. at the time this is being published, so we're going to do a Libra season reading. Libra season is the justice card in the tarot. Those scales that represent Libra are very prominent in the justice card. Libra is not only about being fair, trying to be just, trying to bring about justice, um, but also about, apparently, about always looking on point, very fashion forward, and very flirty, which is fun. Social butterfly. Yeah. I don't know. That's all. That's what I know about Libra. I was very stoked for Libra season, and there's been like so much craziness in Libra season already. Because, well, y'all know me, the whole Brianna Taylor case, and I'm just kind of like, whoa. You know what? There's stuff, <laughs> new stuff coming out every day, though. Keep hoping, you know. Keep keep burning those candles and saying your prayers. Yep. Well, and there are lots of things that can still be done, even though the case turned out badly Mm -hmm. for those of you who are not up to date on the Breonna Taylor case um 
and are under a rock, I guess, <laughs> uh, that they are not arresting any of the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. Yeah. Well, one went to jail, but, but um, it was, like, for something, like, so... Shooting the drywall, basically. Right, right. Shooting, actually shooting someone else's apartment. Yeah. This is, I think the term miscarriage of justice is, like, a per- perfectly applies in this situation. Yeah, Libra mad. <sighs> One thing, uh, an account that I follow called Grassroots Law, which is an amazing account. Ooh. They were talking about what we need to call for is ban of no-knock warrants in individual mm-hmm. cities, but also on the state level and federally. And that is really going to prevent this sort of bullshit from ever happening again. Or at least, you know, One piece God forbid it. it does happen again. Yeah, like, right. But God forbid it does happen again, then at least, you know, there's some clear-cut laws. It's like, no, you can't do that at all. Yeah. Because apparently that was a really big issue in the case. It was mm-hmm. like, well, was it a knock warrant or a no-knock warrant? And Well, and it's, we it's something that I think traditionally gets really abused by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for anybody. It just, it gets someone on the side of the police officer which like i get a police officer's job is very dangerous i totally understand that i i am on the side of the citizens in all of these cases but the the thing is is in no knock warrants officers get injured and killed also right well think about in kentucky the fact that people can legally own firearms and use them to defend their property i mean it's like yeah stand your ground law they have that in florida as well i mean and that is what happened in brianna taylor's case is that her boyfriend the, the reason they opened fire so heavily is because one of them got shot because they had intruded and her boyfriend shot him in the leg. It could have, we don't know, it could have been a cop that shot the cop in the leg. Well, oh, yeah. Anyway, we, that's like, let's, <laughs> we can talk oh, about the, Okay, I will night. say, I, I did watch, I did watch the New York Times documentary um, on Hulu, which is, it's, if you search for Brianna Taylor, it's hard to find. If you search for New York Times Presents, okay, and it's the third episode of New York Times Presents, it is amazing. I cried a lot though. It opens with her boyfriend's nine one one call, mm. and it was heartbreaking. But I thought it was a really good piece of journalism because they do get into some of the history of Louisville and some of the other issues that are kind of going around on surrounding the case. Mm-hmm. Um, or issues that are becoming uncovered because of Breonna Taylor's case, which mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it's it's just taking the journalism a little bit further. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I found some really good reporting out there on the case. And, and there's actually even now, like, records getting released of um, a SWAT officer uh, in the investigation that was done. Are you kidding me? A SWAT no, no, officer? No. He's complaining. About, oh oh yeah he's he is basically like he he called it egregious what happened because he was on the scene after it all happened mm. and and he's like detailing like all these problematic things that he saw um, well and more stuff keeps coming out there's inherent inherent disrespects for people within the louisville metro pd the e- an email recently came out with a major i think she was a major in the police department and just some really disgusting language about protesters and yeah it's like it was gross it was a gross email and it's just so and that's what they said about um the cop who he was fired he was the only one that was fired and he was fired he was fired for shooting into other apartments and what they said in his letter of termination was it is a a disregard for the value of human life Mm mm-hmm period 
Mm-hmm. Th- this inherent, like, I don't give a fuck kind of thing. And that's it's becoming more and more apparent that LMPD, in particular in this case, and in a lot of cases of different police departments across the country, there's just this... It, it It's a job, and there's not a lot of respect for human life. And especially black human life and it's bad it's bad news (sighs) okay we did our justice talk right (laughs) oh my gosh we totally did the total justice talk there you go okay maybe next month we'll have some sort of scorpio like revenge no we don't want to get into revenge (laughs) holy shit that would be bad no uh... (laughs) like we go on some like sort of john wick spree yeah we'll be oh i bet your your ass john wick is a scorpio Holy cow. Oh my gosh. When is that movie going to come out? I think it's next summer or something. The next John Wick. John Wick 4? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. We finally bit the bullet. We should probably move on. We yeah, let's talk move about. on. <laughs> We've been talking. <laughs> it's important that we share our thoughts on the Breonna Taylor case because we both care about it a lot. Yeah, so. and it needs to stay... Yeah. I mean, I talk about it on Terror of the Day every day, but I have like one minute and I've been spending more and more of my one minute talking about Breonna Taylor and not giving Terror of the Day. And I think I'm okay with that because it it deserves to be resolved as far as some sort of like legislation being passed. Okay. So Tarot for Libra season. Karen and I both brought new decks. Yes. You go first. I mean, I'm really excited. couldn't go by without buying. Oh, I got a box that's got three decks in it. I have not opened it yet today because it's got a bunch of crystal. It's my heaviest box from Amy of- and Christian of Magic Relics ever. Sweet. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure there's at least three tarot decks in there. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Somebody gifted one to me. It was so sweet. That's cool. Yeah. One card for you. And yeah. Are you going to explain we'll the deck that you brought though? Yeah, so I got, um, if you follow me on Y'all, Instagram, which I've Karen been, got another sexy plaid deck. It is another set. I bought it. <laughs> I'm now talking myself down from buying all the foreign language ones out there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, like, I have an obsession with this deck. And U.S. Games released yet another version of it. And this one was... 100 it's t- literally titled on the US Games website the 100% plastic 100% plastic rider tarot deck and and it's the second They just plaid, cut West they just cut Wait and Smith right out of that didn't they You know what it is it's called rider because back in like the first half of the 20th century rider was the original publisher Oh and they're no longer around but uh whoever bought the rights which must have been or is now US Games like the the name is always stuck because that's what people used to call it and so they kept that like but they did cut out Pixie's name because it's either Ryder or Ryder Waite like no mention of Pixie whatsoever and this is why we always say Ryder Waite Smith right because Pixie is the one who did the artwork right and And also she's a woman she deserves credit well, and, like, this happens still. Deck companies, like, always put decks out, and they release them by, like, the writer of the book's name. And I'm mm. like, you know how many people buy decks because of the art, right? Like, hello. <laughs> For real. 
Um, but anyway, I got it's it's a hundred percent plastic, and I didn't know. I thought I had other decks that were plasticky, but I I was totally wrong because these have a completely different feel to them. They're very wobbly, like Jello, <laughs> and they're thin, and they totally smell right now. It's like, <gasps> but yeah. I but the they came in this nice like official box. I will say I like them because. Like, I've taken tarot decks to parties before, and, like, you know, it's like you worry about your cards. Like, what if you set them down in water? It's like they literally are indestructible, and because they're so wobbly, I can actually riffle shuffle, which I never do with my decks. Oh! Like, I'll bend the cards. Like, it's ridiculous watching me shuffle. Like, I try, and then I'm like, ugh, and they fall everywhere because I'm worried I'll bend a card permanently, but... This one I can actually riffle shuffle, so I don't know. Like, I feel like this would be sort of like take it to a picnic, take it to a party, and and it's plastic, so you can just, like, wipe it off. <laughs> nice. They, but they do feel kind of weird. Like I, like, I wouldn't, like, if I weren't obsessed with this deck, I wouldn't actually buy it. But, all right, I'm pulling you a card. Yes. Reversed Temperance. Ooh. That's interesting. And this is yeah. like the Sagittarius card too, right? Yeah, it is. So it's fire, even though it's a very watery card if you look mm-hmm. at the picture. So for a Libra season, Temperance is like this card of like, you, hey, it's like it Benti's a harmonizer, right? Like that's totally Temperance. Yes. But sometimes, like, you know, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, in the book, she's often, like, checking her anger and justified rage at things because that goes against, you know, being a harmonizer and somebody who brings peace and order. But I do also think, like, especially, like, what you've been doing at, like, Keep Awareness of Brianna Mm. Taylor, like, on your Instagram, it's, like... And I think even in the book, Binti realizes, like, it's okay sometimes to just let that anger be in you and accept it and mm-hmm. not and not just, like, try to harmonize it away. Um, that that's important. It, it, you know, moves us to take steps sometimes that are important. So, um, mm. I guess that's what I would like, say. Like, don't let up. Nice. I like it. Okay, so the deck that I brought, I'm so excited to be able to introduce the Afro Avatar Tarot by Nydia of Colored Afro's Art. Oh my god, Yay! I love this deck. It's so gorgeous. Ah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So it came in a tuck box with um, this like mini guide to it. And then you can go on her website and get more in-depth information on the cards too. She has these like quick guides and this little tiny booklet this little like three-page booklet um with just a couple of blurb words but the art is stunning and they're black cards with the yin and yang fish from the show and then the it's silver gilded edges and it's just stupid beautiful (laughs) And, (laughs) and it's so great she sold over 200 copies of this wow that's amazing yeah independent black artist made this tarot deck has sold over 200 copies and she only announced this what was it it was like may or june yeah yeah Yeah. it was like less than a year crazy fast that's so super 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 proud of her 
Her deck is absolutely gorgeous. I was really excited to bring this deck today for Binti. The Avatar show is very, um, it's more of a fantasy fiction as opposed to science fiction. It's just really fun. It's still got, you know, a lot of this, this elemental and like funky, fun, creative, get lost in like a, a different world and, you know, mm -hmm. where the world might end instead of, you know, like, what am I going to make my kids for lunch? <laughs> Uh, the answer is nothing, by the way. <laughs> but somebody's got to save the world. <laughs> All right. Ooh, you got the Ace of Pentacles. Ooh. Yeah. And it's just, it's nice because it's just this beautiful mountain range in the background and then the giant coin. Ooh, oh, and there's a nice awesome. pretty sunset behind it also. It's very peaceful. Makes me think of, especially because an Ace is like this kind of beginning, like there's... This, like, setting out in the morning, like, everything is in front of you, and there's this sense of excitement, but also mm -hmm. you haven't really gotten to the thick of it, so there's this nice piece to it. And because it's pentacles, that makes me think of, like, your material space, so finding some of that piece, and, oh, yeah. and like... It makes me think of feng shui for some reason. That, it's like that organizing. Makes a lot of, we've been doing like that Getting lately. an like, organizing you know, peaceful we're space. We're all at home right now going to work in school. And it's like, you know, it's like we've been focusing a lot on, you know, like having a space that doesn't stress us out or become really chaotic. And, and like in a lot of ways, we've just been sort of going back to basics at home. So, yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. It's, like, encouraging that, like, if, you know, just a reminder that, like, that is, like, a good thing to be doing. Yeah, totally. Hmm. All right. Well, I pulled one for the collective. Everybody else. And it is another reversal. A reverse high priestess. <gasps> My favorite. Yeah. So. Oh. that's She's always such a mystery. Like, the high priestess and the moon, I'm always, like. I wish I knew more specifics. <laughs> well, and the high priestess is super closely connected with the moon. Yeah. I mean, in this in this deck, in, that, in the Afro Avatar, mm -hmm. there's a character called the Moon Lady. Oh. And that's who she is. The high priestess is the Moon oh, Lady. Cool. You know, the high priestess is like the, the inner wisdom. Yeah. I do feel like, you know, people being at home for so long, I mean, it can really do strange things i i don't know it, it's been doing weird things to me internally right mm -hmm. like and, mm -hmm. and i think you know it can be really jarring because you know our lives are more inward focused i guess in a sense but i also think that there can be a kind of burnout with that too or yeah i don't know spending a lot of time with the self mm -hmm. sometimes you need to go external or like turn yeah. off yeah, exactly. I think even acknowledging that or just, you know, giving yourself permission to just not be so inwardly reflective all the time, mm -hmm. you know, that, that that's, it's definitely a challenge right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I pulled two. Um, <laughs> I tried to pull one and then another one came with it. So the first one was the two of swords. Oh, wow. Which is one of the um, airbender kids with a blindfold on, picking up different objects in front of her. I think this is a girl in front of them. But there's this like I this idea of choosing because of the blindfold. 
you kind of have to feel your way. So there's using that intuition. But on top of that, the other card is the Queen of Cups, which I feel like is really closely related to the High Priestess because the Queen of Cups Mm -hmm. is water of water. So super intuitive and emotional. And the High Priestess is all about Mm -hmm. intuition. The High Priestess is specifically female. There, you add that feminine energy is is very intuitive and emotional. Mm-hmm. Swords brings in more of that logical energy. You you take away some of that logic by putting the blindfold on and feel it. You feel what you need. So like compounding that with your high priest is kind of like having to turn off so much attention on yourself and your inner self and like being in your like confined space. Yeah. Not having enough to distract yourself. Because this Two of Swords really feels like that. You're picking up a toy to, like, distract yourself with. And you just kind of have to feel it. And just kind of go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Literally. Because it's a watery card. There you go. Go with the flow. Find something to distract yourself and just go with the flow. If it's something that you you wouldn't normally do, but it works for you. Like, my thing has been reading on the balcony, like, every single day. That's nice. Which, I could be doing other things. You know, I could be cleaning the house or working out or something else on my lunch break but I'm like I just want to sit outside I just want to sit outside and hear the city and feel the sun and read Jane Austen and do my basic white girl shit (laughs) (laughs) and that's really the only thing that's allowed me to disconnect fully is Mm -hmm. yeah I try I try other stuff but it just doesn't sometimes it just doesn't work so just go with the flow reading is a nice way to like turn off that internal monologue too and at the same time like just just de-stress and you know like check out a little bit but but not in a way that just like numbs your brain you know it feels Mm -hmm. like taking like a little like an actual mental vacation (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and that's a good segue so binti okay and now we can talk about binti By Nedi Okorafor. Karen, explain how you found this. Probably, and it had to be a while ago, like maybe over a year ago. I'm sure it was before we started doing our podcast. But I somehow started following the writer on Twitter. And I have no idea how... I came across her on Twitter. I mean, I was following like a lot of book stuff on I following some Twitter feeds that were like black science fiction and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I follow all kinds of random book stuff on Twitter or I did when I had a Twitter account. And mm-hmm. so I think that's just how I learned about her. And so I'd always wanted to read the book. And then when we started coming up with book ideas... Because it's also sci-fi futuristic, and so it's, you know, which we both love, so it's, like, and the writer herself, like, I know from when I used to follow her on Twitter, she's always posting pictures about interesting insects. Like, she's really, she just really loves bugs and things like that. I don't know, I feel like I can kind of see that a little bit in the book, like, her love of insect-like creatures. Well, her dedication for the first binti is to the little blue jellyfish that she saw. (gasps) That makes sense now. I know. I only... Yeah, I know. Okay, we should explain (laughs) the plot before we get too far into it, though. So, 
Here there be spoilers. There's no turning back now. Thank you for yep. listening to the podcast this far. But if you haven't read Binti and you want to read Binti, trust me, you want to read Binti. Yeah, go read before it. Before we spoil the whole thing for you. Because it's so <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's four Binti uh, novellas. I think the first one's technically a short story. It's like 50 pages. So Binti comes from, this is however the hell many years in the future, but Binti is a girl from the Himba tribe, which is a for real tribe of people that live in Namibia. The um, These are the women you may have seen. They put this red clay all over their skin and their hair. It's called Ojise. I'm going to butcher all of this. That's okay because I literally have tried to look up how to say some of these and it's not always so easy to find. Uh, uh, Jesus. It's, so it's like on almost every page of the book, but I'm looking for it. I can't find it. <laughs> I think it's Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Uh, that's what uh, it's anyway. Pardon us, white girls, but you guys can look up these pictures of these women and the way they do their hair is, like, incredible. Freaking amazing. But they wear this pigment. And this this turns out to be a huge theme in this story. Like Karen just said, it's, like, on every single page because it's a huge cultural thing. If the Himba women aren't wearing ojize, like, all over their skin and hair, they're considered naked. The men don't wear it. It's just the women. Yeah, and she talks about, like, she has a couple scenes where she's without it and she feels kind of embarrassed to be around people. And There's a character that she's with at one point and he's like, I know that you feel naked without your Ojiza, but I just see you. You look normal. It's totally <laughs> fine. So Binti, and, and she has never left her tribe, let alone her country, let alone her planet. And she gets accepted into the most prestigious university in the universe, Uzma University. And so she leaves her family in the middle of the night and gets on this giant fish ship, which is incredible in itself. It's this enormous living ship. And then, just when everything seems... She's already worried about, like, leaving her family. She hasn't talked to her family. They don't know she's leaving. They told her they don't want her to leave. And then, she's, like, all excited to go to school because she's really smart. She's the only Himba person ever invited to and this she's university. she's 16 at that And time. then these... Yeah, she's 16 years old. She's, like, going off to... She's, like, literally, like, running away from home to go be at this amazing university. And then the aliens attack. Literally, massacre on the ship by these giant jellyfish called the Medusa. Medusa? Medusa? It's based on the name Medusa. Medusa. And they are described kind of like jellyfish, which makes sense with the Medusa snake hair because they have these tentacle things. The tentacles and they writhe, (laughs) you know, when they're angry and stuff. So, yeah, they're called the Medusa. (laughs) They murder everybody on the ship except Binti. Literally everybody... But the captain yeah. and Binti. The captain never right. appears. He's weirdly. just flying the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the ship That's is right. a living thing. It knows That's where it's going. Right. So I'm not sure why they even need that, dude. <laughs> but Binti goes and hides in her room. And long story short, she makes friends with one of the Medusa named Oku. And they find out that the Medusa are there. 
and are upset with the human beings, the Kush people, which are specifically this tribe that also the Himba people kind of have a problem with. But they have a problem with these people because they stole their chief's stinger and they have it on display at the university. So they're planning to like come in near the ship and attack the university. And Binti is like, hold on a second. I didn't leave the planet and risk my entire life to just have this like fall to pieces. Right. <laughs> so Binti, the 16-year-old girl, goes to the chief of the Medusa. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do we know we can trust you? She's like, I don't know. So they yeah. sting her. And she wakes up and she's got tentacles for hair now. So she's part Medusa. Insane. It's yeah, ins- this is it's so creative. creative. It's so, it's so creative. amazing. It's so good. So Binti and Oku and the chief, well, no, I don't think the chief goes, to the president of Uzma University and the council and everything because they know they're coming. They know what's happened on the third fish because of space communication. The third fish is the name of the ship. Sorry. They go and they're like, we just want the singer back. They're like, okay, cool. No problem. Binti like makes a speech because she's amazing and she's the heroine of the story and everything is fine. Everything is all good. They get the stinger back. The Medusa don't attack the university. And then they invite Oku to go to school with Binti. Yeah. And it's their first. They're having their first Hemba person. And their first. Uh, I almost said Oku person. Medusa person. <laughs> and that's the end of the first Binti right. story. Right. Amazing. My favorite. Yeah. After reading all four of them. Totally my favorite. Holy moly, it's so good. And she's special because she's called a harmonizer. And as we f- we find out, like, when we encounter some more harmonizers later in the book, that they aren't all the same, but they have this special ability to kind of, like, see things and sense things that others can't. So she can create currents using math in her brain. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's, like, constantly... There's, like, equations all over this book. And my and my literary brain was like, oh, my God, why? <laughs> it's and super... But, like, really... she's literally calling up, like, currents. And I'm imagining, like, Storm from the X-Men and, like... But the, with tentacle hair, it's amazing. Right, right. Well, and it's funny because we get a glimpse into Earth's past at some point, And there are people with cell phones. So they're, like, way in the future. But this astrolab... Uh, thing that she talks about, which is like an old term in Earth history, it's it's like steampunky a little bit. It's a it's the most advanced technology that they have. Basically, kind of works like a cell phone. <laughs> but it's... I mean, it does a lot. I think it does yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, well, I guess yeah. no. I guess like your mod- your modern cell phone because we're on the internet and you can gather information and things like that too. It's like very personal though, and mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, it's it's interesting because to me I was thinking because it's an old term from history it's that to me is like a little bit steampunk which is kind of cool and it's not like it was a steampunk novel or anything like that but the way no it's like very futuristic yeah but the way that the writer uh, really thinks about the future like with living ships and the alien species and stuff is really different. Like it's very creative and different. Uh, And a lot of the alien species seem a little bit like bug-like and they're, you know, and yet 
you know, but they're, they still have like higher level of intelligence, just like humans and Mm -hmm. really creative and fun. Did you get a little bit of a Hogwarty vibe when she went to Umzuuni or however No. To be okay. honest with you, the the feel of a university, because she's a professor, so she knows how to write a university, but it really did remind me some of the description of the university, like, of mm. my college days, like, because in the second book, the second story, which I think was written last, actually, yeah. is um, Binti's Sacred Fire, and it's kind of about her settling into the university, but also dealing with her very real PTSD of watching everybody get murdered on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of becoming friends, better friends with Oku and some other people at the university. And they go like on a little day trip. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty cute because it's it, fe- it very much has this college feel of like, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with all of my shit, right, but my right. friends want to help me, but they can't possibly understand. Right. But they go with Because that's what happened. Right. Yeah. They, they're just there to support her. And it, it's really sweet because it's more of an emotional journey. Um, I, I would say it's probably my least favorite of the four. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a very important because it's important to the story of a young person. Yeah. And especially, like, any young person is going to start transforming into who they're going to become. Right. She has a really good understanding of that and writes it really well because yeah. Binti is con- is constantly trying to level herself out, trying to take a step back and assess oh, her yeah. emotions. She's very much, it's really great we're doing this during Libra season. Honestly, <laughs> I don't want to like whitewash this with astrology, but <laughs> she's very level. She's very even keel about everything. She wants things to be fair and things to be just and mm-hmm. she's also trying to make sure everything is balanced within her own self and she thinks very logically because she's always mm-hmm. thinking about math she uses math to calm herself down math stresses right. me out the opposite. <laughs> me <too>. <laughs> math <laughs> makes me stressed out binti's just like doing like complex calculus in her head just to like chill and re- reduce her right, heart rate right. <laughs> like, that's one of her coping mechanisms for her ptsd and i mean that blows my mind. That's just so beautiful and strong, and I admire it so much. Right. <sighs> I really do love Bincy. I want her to be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's she's she's a really amazing character. Just this character breaks the mold in so many ways. She does have these teenagery kind of trying to discover herself and feel confident in herself, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, I, I think the author is so sensitive to that, and and she can be this very teenage mix of confidence and capability, but then also sometimes lack of confidence. One of the big things is like that she's constantly having to deal with is her sense of identity. But I think it's so interesting that this writer has her befriending this character who boarded her ship and helped kill everybody else on there, people that were becoming her friends. And they've formed this really amazing relationship with each other where they're just... They learn each other's language. They start to communicate telepathically. Yeah, and they literally have each other's back all the time. Yeah, they're constantly there for each other, but also, like, giving each other space. Mm -hmm. Like, they're very respectful. I mean, Binti asks herself multiple times throughout Mm -hmm. all the entire series. Because there's this one particular boy she had a crush on that she Mm -hmm. keeps 
when she is having an episode of PTSD, she envisions him in particular dying, being stabbed through the heart. Yeah, that's a trigger. By a Medusa. And she's always like, was that Oku? Was Oku the one? I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I'm not, I can't ask. Like, I don't want to ask. I don't want to know. Yeah. But this is something that keeps repeating in her mind. But at the same time, she implicitly trusts Oku. Right, right. It's really an incredible relationship. And I think part of it is that because she becomes part Medusa, Mm -hmm. she's already out of place as a Hemba person where she lives because of the Kush, Mm -hmm. which... That's not a real... Kush are not real. I looked yeah, at it. Yeah, me too. I Googled. It's something... Because <laughs> I was like... I, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, are these white people? <laughs> <laughs> and this is still in Africa, so I don't I don't know. But the Kush are the people who had the war with the Medusa forever ago right. and stole the stinger and all of that. But Binti is at a place, like, as a Himba person, because the Kush live in that vicinity mm-hmm. like she has a village where everybody is himba but like she's kind of out of place with kush so she's the she's out of place when she's on her way to university mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then everybody is so diverse at university it's really nice because it's just this it's it's a it's bigger diversity than just like right white and black and um, brown people <laughs> right, right <laughs> on earth right, you know people right. with different skin color it's this language and th- this this a uh, person doesn't have eyes or a mouth, like, communicates in a totally right. different way, you know. Like, the diversity is a whole nother level. Yeah, it's amazing. I think this author did not take the easy route on anything. I mean, she deals with Binti's struggles to fit into her tribal traditions, which yeah. limit her in some ways. and And yet, at the same time, the author really... Um, presents like the beauty of this culture at the same time. So there's always this complexity. And I, I feel like I don't see this in a lot of books. So it's easy to imagine like, okay, she encounters all these different aliens. So of course they're going to be very different from her. But even with um, a character that's really significant like Okwu or also other humans from other groups – there's really clear cultural and communication differences. And it's like, I think like just the level of detail in the story and how those differences actually become an important part of the story. I just thought was so well done and interesting. Yeah. And there's not any of this like long explanation and pandering. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of Binti is seeing everything through a new lens Kind of like we are. She comments on how great the diversity is, but she'll say things like, oh, this is like a jellyfish-like creature. Or mm-hmm. one of her friends, they just call the bear. Yeah. And it's just a person covered in fur. <laughs> like Cousin It from the Adams Family is like what I was picturing, but with extra legs. But I love how it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, the bear is just really quiet, really hairy, mm-hmm. but good. But a good, you know, a good person. <laughs> All of this really practical kind of, oh, yeah, this is my my friend. They're covered in whatever, yeah. you know, because. But it's interesting because on Earth, shit is still a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll go ahead and talk about this now, because one of the things, Binti's hair is a big deal because it turns into tentacles. And it's on, like, page, like, six of the book where she's trying to get on the third fish. And someone just grabs her hair and is like. 
oh, this is interesting. And is like looking at it with her friends, like, well, well like, how does it smell? It's like, it smells like flowers. It doesn't smell like shit. No, it smells like flowers. Because yeah. it's covered in the ojize. Like, oh, well, I heard it smells like shit. And, like, Binti's obviously standing right in front of them because they've got a hold of her hair. Right. So that really hit me hard reading that because I had just finished Francesca Ramsey's book. Well, that escalated quickly. And she does, um, like, political activism. She does um, MTV's Decoded. Mm-hmm. So has some really great videos. Mm-hmm. Um, just did a What It Means to Defund the Police series, which is really great. But in her book, she talks about, because she wore her hair in locks. She said that people would just be like, oh, can I touch your hair? And would just like grab onto Ugh. her head. And apparently this is a thing that black women deal with all the time. And me, I'm like, that sounds like something I would do in my stupid white girl ignorance. And I hope I have never done that. But it's like, it's not a thing... I even think about, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those microaggressions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like mm-hmm. reading this book and I'm I'm like fully understanding because like I'm a reading it from Binti's perspective. Right, right. I'm not being told the story. Mm-hmm. It's told in first person. So I'm reading it from Binti's perspective. Someone just yanks onto her hair and is like, oh, it smells like flowers. It doesn't smell like shit. Yeah. What? It's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. And her hair, because people are still going after her hair when it turns into tentacles, because people are like, oh, this is not hair anymore. She like, comes back to her himba culture, or her mm-hmm. himba home, and her family is like, what's going on with your hair? Yeah, I mean, you said it, like, there's there's this recurring theme of these changes happen to her, and she's so worried that she won't fit in with her family anymore mm-hmm. and, you know, how that separates her from them. And her hair is, you know, leaving is is the first thing, but then the hair is the second thing that happens. And, yep. you know, and of course she ends up being like the hero of every of the of the day by the end of the book. But yeah, well, and, and maybe this is like jumping ahead a little bit, but uh well, so she. Coll- We're not good at going through the whole plot. Oh, we made it through the plot okay. of the first, <laughs> the first. Story. She does collect. <laughs> she collects friends from all these different places. You know, like she was making mm-hmm. friends with the Kush on the ship as they traveled mm-hmm. to the university, in spite of the fact that, in general, the Kush sort of oppressed her people. There's like that very human eye for like what human life is, you know, for Benty with her identity. She like when she goes home, she feels like she's not good enough or she's changed and doesn't fit like there's something wrong with her. And it's, you know, this, you know, as she struggles with her identity. But, you know, there's the scene at the end where she's trying to mediate an agreement And it kind of goes bad through no fault of her own. And what I think is so amazing about this book is that, you know, one of her friends tells, like, she feels responsible, even though she did this amazing thing to, that nobody else could have done that was also so brave to to try to mediate this agreement and harmonize this relationship between these two warring peoples. Between the Kush and the Medusa. Yeah. Yeah. But what I think is so great is that it didn't matter that they started fighting again anyway that that some character makes the comment about you still tried you were still amazing and you still did mm-hmm. what needed to be done 
even if this fight, which has gone on for like forever and will probably continue for a long time. And so I feel like that's like so it's kind of revolutionary idea that there's this book where what matters is if you try it still counts. Right. Exactly. It's not like this, you know, capitalist sort of results oriented action book where, yeah, you know, I, I, I like, I just love that. I thought that was so good. Like this is, well, and it's a teenager. Because and, that's what, yeah. Yeah. What she says is that, well, I'm a harmonizer. I'm supposed to harmonize. And I think Mawinyi mm-hmm. is the one who says it to her. It's like, yeah, you yeah. still succeeded. You still harmonize. It's their fault if they don't mm-hmm. want to accept, you know. She did literally everything she could mm-hmm. to the point of death. Yeah, and and I just love that. It, it's like, and I think too, I mean, I feel like this book might be sort of oriented towards a teenage reader because it's sort of a calming of age novel. And that whole, yeah, that whole definitely, message. it's definitely a coming image. Yeah, and that whole message of, you know, you really don't have to live up to somebody else's standards. I mean, I'm kind of oversimplifying it, but I love, it's just like the value of your action. It was still the right action. It was still the good action, the brave action. And it doesn't matter what the results were. There's still value in what you did. Right. Well, and the, the other thing, too, is, is that because the only people who really have a lot of expectation out of her are her family, the Himba, mm-hmm. the Himba people, her yeah, Himba tribe. Yeah. Like, she goes on this pilgrimage when she gets home thinking she's going to go on the Himba p- pilgrimage, <laughs> and she ends up going on this other pilgrimage called the Enyi Zenaria, which is her father's culture. Mm-hmm. That she never knew about. Yeah. And they're, they've basically got this alien technology and live out in the desert and just, like, communicate with, like, floating words in the air, which yeah. is amazing. And this is, like, the third story in the book that, that we got. It's Binti Home, yeah. 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 She's supposed to go on this pilgrimage for one thing, and she goes on it for a totally different Surprise. thing. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! With the lady who is literally the high priestess, like, right down to the oh damn my gosh. owl. You're so right. You're totally right. That was the first thing I wrote down for notes for the podcast. It was like, the priestess is the actual high priestess with the <laughs> owl. There may not be any moon out, but it's the damn high priestess. <laughs> like, straight tarot imagery. Like, thank you, Miss Akora for, for making that easy for us. <laughs> Ah, so she's ac- accumulated at this point Hemba, Medusa, Enyi, Zenaria, and is, like, trying to, like, bring, bring peace between the Kush and the Medusa because they're back on Earth in in the fourth story. And the, the Kush are trying to, like, burn the village to the ground and the Medusa are coming in for backup. <laughs> and she's trying to, tr- to, like, mediate between these two groups. Like, they agree to peace and some dummy opens fire on some other dummy. And yeah. then Bitsy literally gets caught in the crossfire and dies. And then I was like... I started I... crying. Ugh. Well, yeah, You're, like, still... Friend... 30 pages out from the end of the book, and I'm like, why is Binti dead? I know. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, something's going to happen. And and even her friend Daly, it was yeah. really just, yeah, sad. I mean, he is mourning. I mean, her three friends, Okwu, Mumini, and Daly. Yeah, it's that was a, a great scene. And then the baby fish. The baby, the baby fish, fish ship, which in. is amazing. New fish. New Her name's fish. New Fish. I love that. She's so cute. I love New, new fish. fish. Like regenerates her. 
Yeah. Binti comes back to life. They take her dead body into space and new fish because she's a baby fish yeah. ship from the third fish, which was the ship from the first yeah. book. This is all, it's just like all such good full circle right. stuff. So Bin- Binti becomes new again, like had an arm missing and half of her torso and like is full and new and perfect. But now she's also part of the new fish consciousness. Yeah. So she like collects a consciousness in every story. She oh, collects right, this right. like and culture. She want, it's like she never set out to have any of these things, right? She like just they... wanted to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Binti just wanted to go to university and then she ended up becoming like the most <laughs> the most aware creature in the universe. Yeah. Part Himba, part Medusa, part New fish part in Zenaria, which is another that's an alien technology that came when Earth was like maybe around our current time. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Which is an ancient technology at that time. Which <laughs> is like that's probably like twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it was overall like excellent science fiction. Yeah, so so good. Highly readable. You know, this would be a great book to teach like in a high school English class. It's, because I know somebody, I shared the book on Instagram and somebody I know who's a teacher was like, I teach this book to my high that's schoolers. Amazing. Because I know it's, it like hits so many important themes, like personal identity and acceptance, but also the complexities of really hard human relationships. But then also yes. even just teaching like all those literary things, like there's symbolism in here, there's motifs, like mm-hmm. these ideas keep repeating, like really like literary structures and stuff in there that I think would make this book like such a great resource for just teaching literature. So any teachers I learned a lot. Yeah, there's there's just so much like the the idea of rebirth and the red and the gold and the desert and the water. and like a- accumulating experiences and other cultures because it's really easy to do cultural appropriation, which is a right. no no, right? <laughs> but cultural like just a- accumulating cultures through your experiences with other in relationships with people from other cultures. Yeah, yeah. Like learning to respect and appreciate and just kind of accumulate that in your experience and knowledge. That's right because she does do that every time she gets like a new part of herself, right? Is that it's mm-hmm. also happens to go along with this process of like acceptance of who the who these mm-hmm. people really are. That's so mm-hmm. true. Yeah, beautiful book. So well written. To the tone of it is oh, hmm. very well done. I'm very excited to read more of this author. Yeah. Well, and I can say too, like if you're thinking about it and you want to check it out, the first one in the story series is like a. 50- if you've listened to all of the spoilers by now, and I know, still, you know, <laughs> but it's like, like if- maybe I will read this book. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like fifty six pages. So it's like, and it's like 10 bucks on Barnes and Noble or something. Like it's, it's a light commitment. And, and I thought she did a really nice job of like breaking the stories up because after you read the first novella, you could just stop there. A story in and of itself, 
without any real cliffhangers. I mean... Yeah, I, it's such a good short story. Novella. Yeah, it's too long to be a short story. Oh my gosh. The first the first one is just so... <laughs> yeah, I will read that one over and over again. Gosh. Oh, that's cool. All right. All right. Let's talk tarot. <laughs> so I already said that I said the high priestess of the Enyes and Arya... Who is just called Ar- Aria or Aria, A R I Y A, is the high priestess. Has an owl, is telling her all these wise things, asking her to like go deep within and be intuitive and all of this good stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's the high priestess right there. Mm-hmm. Like, no question. She goes away and comes back with an owl, and I'm like, well, yep. okay, good. I got that one down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah. But as far as. The other characters in the book, like, so for Binti, she's on this journey, and it's it's arguable, like, any main character can be considered the fool in whatever story, but I really feel like I watch Binti go through, like, the whole major arcana journey. (laughs) Yeah. Like, fool and magician, because she's a harmonizer and literally makes magic come out of her fingers. Right, right. (laughs) high priestess getting to know herself empress because she she actually deals with you know what does it mean to be a woman in her culture and they tell her at one point no one will want to marry you so she takes control of her own life like the emperor (laughs) oh my gosh look at you (laughs) i could go on and on i mean like they're like hella tower moments all over the place in this story though i mean she dies so she's the tower and then she's the death death which comes before the tower, I guess. So it's the death, and then temperance, and then the devil, and then the tower. You could really, yeah, you could really go through the whole thing, but it'll take another hour to go through <laughs> <laughs> and explain the plot devices of her 22 tarot cards. But I really feel like she did go through the whole, especially because we're talking about four separate stories. Right. She she goes through this this whole journey and like the end the last bit of the novel is like we went to the waterfalls and it yeah. was so beautiful and that's the end of the novel the whole series of Binti. It was like this is just such a perfect yeah calm reset for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like at that point there's no expectations for her. She's ready to just see what happens next. Right. Yeah, she really does go on the full, like, the journey goes the full gamut in the book. Yeah. She could be really compared to the Justice card, too. was talking about, you know, her similarities to an astrological Libra. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I wrote down was judgment. Mm. She not only brings a lot of judgment onto herself, but judges others as well. Because she, she's collecting all of these experiences and understands a Hemba mind. Yeah. And... She begins to understand the Kush mind. She understands the Medusa mind because they right, have kind right. of a hive mind. She understands that. She understands the Enyes and Arya. She begins to understand new fish. There's another alien species she encounters. Yeah, she just begins to understand all of these things so she can come from this perspective of, okay, I literally understand your perspective and can judge you on it. She brings about judgment in a fair and partial way. What do you think about Bensi in terms of a tarot card? Well, I mean, I just kept getting stuck on the fool, but I mean, she yeah. does kind of <laughs> she does kind of end up in that world space, like that moment of just um, 
like quintessential beauty, just living in the moment at the waterfall. And it feels like she's put Mm -hmm. a lot of that behind her and she has friends. She is coming to accept who she is. Yeah, I really feel like the book ended in this kind of world card moment Mm -hmm. with the waterfall. I agree. I thought Akwu was a knight of swords. Oh. She describes him, like, maybe in the first book, as she thinks he's younger than a lot of the other ones, uh, the other Mm. Medusa. And he's, you know, he's very low-key in a lot of ways, but he also is kind of a doer. And she has to sometimes hold him back from rushing into stuff. But he also encourages her to be courageous moving forward. You know, he was kind of a a knight of swords. And, of course, like, he throws himself in front of her to save her from bullets. You know, that seemed like a kind of knight of swords. A knight heroic. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I I had a hard time, like, Okwu is complicated in terms of, like, fitting him into a tarot card. They, the Medusa hold water sacred. And there's this really adorable scene in the book where Oku finds a lake right? on Earth is where he's, like, <laughs> never been near real water and, like, just goes crazy. It's so cute. Right. And Binti's laughing and she can, like, feel his joy and he's, like, turning blue and glowing and it's really cute. Um <laughs> And I was, I was like, oh, cups would be good. Yeah. But I was like, no, Okwu is not emotional. And right. I thought swords, because right. th- there's this cold logic, like the Medusa kind of have this cold logic to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe like king of cups or like queen of swords or something like that. But so what I settled on, yeah. <laughs> this is bizarre. I settled on the devil oh, for Okwu. Interesting. And, and this is why. So... He offers a lot of difficult solutions and kind of these complicated, well, maybe not even complicated, but like these obvious but callous oh, yeah. solutions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like kind of the most obvious choice. But he tricks Binti into becoming part Medusa. He's like, oh, yeah, come on the ship and talk to the chief and stuff. <laughs> And, like, then she gets stung and becomes a Medusa. And she's like, did you know this would happen? He's like, uh, I guess not. I guess I didn't know this would happen. Uh. And, like, but then, like, at their first interaction, he brings her food. He bribes her into becoming friends. I mean, and then their, yeah. their friendship becomes a real friendship. But it's, yeah. like, the whole first beginning of their relationship is, like, I give you some food if you give me some of your Ojiza. Because yeah. it turns out her Ojiza... He has healing properties for the Medusa. Yeah, it's like there's this bribing going on. And I thought, because the devil is super complicated, but also has some of this cold logic. Yeah. But is also a little bit of like a trickster. And Oku's sense of humor is so bizarre. (laughs) So I felt like the devil kind of fit Oku. Plus, like, I'm imagining a tarot card where it's like the Medusa behind Binti, like getting ready to sting her. And I'm like, that would be a great devil card. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. There's not like a whole lot of other recurring characters. Yeah. But I thought about Mawinyi too, Mm -hmm. which is Binti's boyfriend, I guess. (laughs) He's kind of the boyfriend. It makes me think of a, uh, this is, it's so silly because he's described with all of the sand in his hair 
And for some reason, I kept picturing him with his shirt off, mm-hmm. like Mowgli in the Jungle Book. <laughs> but he's wearing, keep like, calling... he's fully clothed, though. I know, but they keep calling, so, like, the Himba people call the Enyes and Arya the desert people and consider them savages. So I right. kept thinking about, like, how Mowgli is looked at in the Jungle Book. Oh, yeah. Or, like, Tarzan is looked at. So I'm like, I just keep picturing Mwinyi, like, crouched over a fire with no shirt. <laughs> sand in his hair well because that's basically how he's referred to by binti like binti's people um yeah he's a savage even though ironically they're way more technologically advanced um yeah because they have alien technology Ooh, and i wanted to pop it really quickly i was thinking about your devil thing with aqua and i feel like what's so interesting too about you saying that is that he is for her kind of this devil figure because definitely the devil card is really about sometimes it can be about things that chain you and yeah she cannot even though they're friends and they're deeply loyal to each other she she, keeps asking herself was oku the one that killed the boy i had a crush on did he sting me? Yeah, and she never asks. It's this complexity for her. Um, that of course, she doesn't let it ruin her friendship with him. Uh, and, and he throws himself in front of her, takes bullets mm-hmm. for her. So I guess it's like maybe it makes up for whatever he did. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, their friendship definitely is real. I mean, if you've ever watched the show Lucifer, you know the devil has a heart too. So. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I huh. couldn't convince my husband to watch it. I've watched several episodes. It's fun. It's just a fun thing to have on. I'm not, like, obsessed with it, but it's mm-hmm. just kind of fun. But, but anyway, Mwinyi. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I'll know how it. to put it. Like, I'm he's very page-like. I don't know. I felt like he was a knight, especially because they end up having a romantic relationship. And he, I mean, I don't know. He's so supportive of Binti. Mm-hmm. He's so supportive. He's, he tells, like, at one point she's out of Ojize and she can't find any more or, like, they, you know, they've been going through the desert for several days and she doesn't have any. And, like, the tribes people are like, put some of that on. You're naked. And Mwinyi's like, you look fine to me. Yeah. You're, you're fine. It's okay. Like, you're allowed to have a moment where you're not all covered up. Yeah. And he intellectually challenges her too when they first meet. Oh my gosh, stuff, yeah. Which is so great. I mean, I just find that so refreshing in a book that mm-hmm. it's not just all sunshine and roses, but she can have these really challenging conversations with him without getting defensive. I just thought their conversations were so just meaningful. He's taking the time, he values her. I wasn't even really sure if they were going to get romantically involved. Like, when they start, they were kissing, and I was just like, all right, sweet. I wasn't sure. <laughs> there seems like there was some, like, romance, but I was like, well, Binti's awfully busy trying to make sure her family's not dead and saving her village. Right, like, I don't right. know. And having has, flashbacks has, at the same time. Right. Like, she's got a lot going on. And, and she's 17 um, by then. Like, by the last book, yeah, she's, you ridiculous. know, a year has gone by. Just so much growing in a year. So much going on with her. I think Mwinyi would be, um, yeah, maybe a page of swords. Mm. He's he's young, but he's wise. Yeah, he's he's wise. That's right. Like, he's really wise. So it's almost like he's got this, you know, going along with her energy, which is kind of like the page. 
He makes me think of the son. Oh, yeah. Because he just provides some, like, much-needed support and warmth Mm -hmm. and just kind of, yeah, you're doing everything perfectly. Don't worry about it. You're amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what the son does. He's more than just, like, a romantic interest. He right. teaches her about the Enyizanaria uh, language, because he's Enyizanaria. He brings her back home. Yeah. He's just super patient with her. But he also doesn't, like, you know, he doesn't coddle her. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the things with the son, too, that we forget, is, like, the son can also be kind of harmful, and it doesn't really coddle you. Like, if it's too hot outside, you need to take the initiative to go back inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's nice to have that warmth and that support and really that kind of life-giving. And I think he really refreshes Binti because she's so emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's going on this pilgrimage and learning that she's got this other side of herself... And then finds out that her home's been burned to the ground and her family might be dead. Yeah. And Mwenyu's like, ah, we'll get you home. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have much for any other characters. Yeah, um, me too. I feel like... Yeah, Dili, I feel like... Dili is like a like a hierophant in training, literally. <laughs> He's a... He, he makes me think of... Like a two of swords mm. sort of thing. You know, he's like got, he's blind to a lot of stuff regarding his own culture. Yeah. And kind of judgmental, but and like thinking of things in a logical way. Yeah. But then in the end, he comes through. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the other side of the two of swords is that the classic two of swords where the blindfolded figure is holding up these two swords and it looks like it's kind of like a heavy load, but you can always put the swords down. Yeah, and he does. I mean, he again, he like mm-hmm. has this complexity about his character. You know, in the end, he just he ends up just being supportive of her and accepting, you know, who she is and what she's trying to do. And like mm-hmm. takes a very knight like action, you know, dressing up as the knight masquerade to encourage her when he knows all the other council members will will abandon her. That's kind of knight of cups, isn't it? I th- I feel like that was like that moment where he dresses up as knight masquerade and dances. It's pretty playful. It's funny, but it's like you know that emotional support uh, and mm-hmm. and bravery when he knows everyone else is going to abandon her. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Her dad, um, no, maybe I don't think about yeah, her Yeah, most of the other characters are fairly minor. Mm-hmm. Super minor. Her one sister is a huge bitch. <laughs> okay. So, I made the spread. I don't feel like I've made a spread in forever. Yeah. When was the last time I did it? You were always the one making spread. I don't know. You did... It's been a while. So I did a spread, a four-card spread, based on the different names of the different stories um, a little bit. Cool. So one is home, which is the past self, where you come from, where kind of you're starting out. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be pretty individual for each person, but we're going to do like a collective past Mm -hmm. culture sort of thing. Then the next one is the Night Masquerade, which is the mysterious thing that keeps calling to you. Ooh. Something that is like kind of, yeah, because that's what happens in the book. So Binti gets, she sees the Night Masquerade, which is something only the men see in her culture. Yeah. 
Turns out it was Dele the whole time. <laughs> but it's like something that doesn't really make sense for you. Like, so I can give you an example. Like when I was, um, you know, like kind of getting into tarot and stuff and it was very against like my Christian background, but it was still something that I was kind of mm-hmm. feeling the feeling a tug at, you know? Yeah. Especially, like, in particular, like, my conservative Christian background. Obviously, Christians can still read tarot. Mm-hmm. Karen is right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is uh, Medusa, which is not a title of one of the Binti books, but I didn't want to call it just one Binti. So, uh, Medusa, who is your partner in all of this and, like, an ally you can look out for? Oh, that's awesome. Like, Oku is, like, an unexpected ally for Binti. And then the last one is Sacred Fire. Um, how do you become the person you were always meant to be? Oh, cool. I love that. Yeah. So we're going to pull each pull one for the collective. I'm using Afro Avatar Tarot. And Karen's going to be using her sexy plaid. That's right. My plastic one. All right. So we're going to start with home, the past self, the collective past self. Mm-hmm. Karen, do you want to go first? Sure. All right, so I got reversed five of wands. Everything is reversed as hell in your deck today. (sighs) I've been mixing it around a whole bunch. So the past self, maybe leaving struggle behind. Yeah, I would say that's just... Like coming out of a collective struggle? Yeah, like I see five of wands is... (laughs) The best meme I ever saw was, was... you know, something about people trying to build a tent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, it's like, it's collaborative, but it's struggle. Yeah. And so, right. Because and people so, can agree on how to do it. Yeah. In the five of wands. Yeah. And so, you know, and if you're on a team ever, I mean, it doesn't always go smoothly. I don't know. I would see this reversal kind of a positive light, like just leaving that behind Mm, mm -hmm. um or it's it's no longer relevant anymore or i I don't know it could be a place where like for some people home is like the place like you know those horrible thanksgiving dinners where people go back home and they get in all those old fights they always get in they can never get out of it Mm. (laughs) so we can't rely on other people to pull us out of those you know we have to move ourselves on from that, you know, rather than just showing up to Thanksgiving dinner and hoping that whoever doesn't say anything, (laughs) you know? Oh my gosh. Um, Well, um, I don't know if it's positive because I pulled the freaking tower. Oh yeah. There's no one jumping out of this particular tower, but the sky is red. There's a bunch of sand dunes. There's like a, it's just a cracking tower that's falling over. Yeah. That, Red sky is striking. Yeah, it's very striking. So kind of this, like, this idea of isolation already in the desert and then whatever tower this is, I guess, in the oasis. Oh, I know what the scene is from. There's a library under the sand and the library is collapsing. Oh, I remember this episode. Yeah, the library is collapsing. Ooh, and then the whole bunch of horrible shit happens right after this episode, too. Like, the whole group gets separated. It's terrible. Falling. So, in terms of, like, where we're collectively coming from, like, where our collective home is, sometimes 
leaving who you are behind is really mm-hmm. painful because that's what the tower is about is like a sort of a painful event a destructive event like you can't really rebuild like what do you build how do you rebuild in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. you know it's like do do you just move on from the desert because it's an isolating place you just go to somewhere that would be better suited mm-hmm. for new growth sometimes you have to do that so I think that those sorts, that sort of awful stuff that happens still helps you build character for who you are. It's still important to carry some of that with you just so that way you have a thicker skin. Some, there's, there's this idea of like having a thicker skin and being a little bit more on the defense because bad things have happened to you is like a bad thing, but sometimes it's a good thing. Well, and I think like with Binti, like, she, there are certain things that happen to her that she can't just so easily walk away from, right? Like, like there are, a lot of us have those things. She can't really share. There's no one to empathize with her. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of us have those things that as much as we'd like to move on from them, it's just not something that we ever maybe will be 100% past. And so mm-hmm. how do you learn to sort of carry it with you in a way that's healthier? So what do we have for Night Masquerade? All right, Night Masquerade. The, th- the mysterious thing that keeps calling to the you. The thing that keeps calling to you. The Hanged Man. So he looks reversed, but he's actually upright. Oh! <laughs> so, that's funny. Um, can you hear it? It's like wobbling. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's, okay, so the thing that keeps calling to you. Uh, you know, a shift in perspective, I guess. A challenge to shift mm. your perspective. Like, that's. I don't know, like, I, I feel like I could apply that to so many things in life where, um, like, being mindful of, like, how you look at something and, I don't know, I, I think it's always a good mental exercise to, if something's frustrating or, I agree. you know, to just force yourself to see it from a different perspective. And especially in this case, because if we're talking about something that is, like, calling to you, something, and then something that is mysterious to yeah. you, like... It's not often that, as human beings, we don't want to see the other side of things. We want to believe we're right. That's just a human yeah. thing. It's hard for us inherently to be like, oh, yeah, tell me the other side right. of that. Tell me, explain to me how I'm wrong. Yeah. The humility that comes with that is earth shattering. Right, right. Yeah, and it's almost like this new beginning. Like, try something from a new perspective, and you know, it could be really exciting. Definitely, I got the star, Ooh. which is oh, cool. Like, look at the stark contrast between these two colors. Oh my like, gosh! One is dark red, and one is bright, bright blue. Yeah, that's that's a great color color contrast. It's amazing. There's like um, an aurora borealis. There is um, a figure trapped in ice. So this card represents the very beginning of the Avatar show where. The Avatar has been trapped under ice for a hundred years. Nobody knew where the Avatar went. And there's been this ginormous war. The Fire Nation has taken over the entire world. And now the Avatar will return and bring balance between the elements. Oh. And that's what is happening. This is funny explaining Binti and now explaining Avatar. Yeah, that's good because I've never <laughs> seen Avatar, so. <laughs> I'm going to have some crazy ass streams tonight. <laughs> Um, but the star is about hope. The star is, I mean, in, in the, right now, <laughs> hope is hard to come by. It's hard to come by. 
sometimes you have to make it on your own. And in terms of a mysterious thing that keeps calling to you, it's like something... Yeah, gosh, that's hard. It's going to be such an individual thing about, like, what brings you hope. Yeah. Like, you have to bring your own hope in. You can't rely on exterior factors to bring the hope to you. Yeah, there's that hanged man, maybe. Like, kind of go, like, shift your perspective. Yeah. Hmm. So the next, okay. the next one is the partner. Medusa. All right. So the the partner. Yeah. All right. Who is your Oku? Oh my gosh, reverse hermit. Hmm. So I guess that makes sense if you're, you know, in a more concrete way of looking at this card. You know that that inner journey that you take when you need to retreat from the world, and instead in the partner position, it's it's maybe suggesting the opposite of that, right? That you know, mm. this idea that, um, like reaching out when you mm-hmm. need to, and gosh, like, like everybody being stuck at home and forced to be at home in this forced isolation is a really dysfunctional version of retreating within yourself for good reasons. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think, um, so in that case, uh, to me, I just see this like too much isolation, too much self-reliance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are you falling into habits of not reaching out to people when you need help? Like I see that. Like the card is just, like a reminder to, you know, just like with Binti, like, you know, she learns to rely on the support of others, you know, left her own devices. She's can be very self-critical. Yeah, I would say that that's, that's a good partner card. I got the Four of Cups, Ew. which is kind of that card of apathy. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's that classic Four of Cups imagery. The person sitting down with three cups around them and one cup, like, in the air. This one isn't really being offered, but this cup is in the place of where the sound would be. Yeah, yeah. Like, who can bring you out of your apathy? Very literally, who's going to bring you a glass of wine and be like, let's have a good time? (laughs) I feel like that's literally, yeah, there's your literal card. I'm not going to say anything else because I really feel like you need to just have someone you can have a drink with. Well, there's that reverse hermit too. Like, I feel like our cards are totally corresponding. They really are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for the last one, which is uh, how to become the person you're meant to be. Your spread is so cool, by the way. Um, Thank you. It's Six of Pentacles, which is maybe my first non-reversal of the night. The hangman wasn't reversed. Oh, that's right. (laughs) It's the card of, you know, like for a keyword, it's it's the card of generosity. Like you've arrived at a certain level of material satisfaction or comfort. And it allows you to begin to be a little bit more expansive in your thinking. So... This idea of generosity, awareness of the needs of others, fairness in your treatment of them, like he's holding scales. This idea that also maybe like what comes around goes around. It's like, you know, this cycle of generosity and putting it back out there in the world. Karen, there are scales in there, like Libra. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's right. It's totally the theme of the day. Yeah. I, I think it's as simple as that. It's that, how you know, this generosity, not just in material things, but, like, you know, generosity of self. Yeah. 
being being kind to yourself, being kind to others. This like approach to other humans or human life forms. I got the seven of swords, which is that thief card. Oh. But this is really funny. So the three figures are all wearing masks. There's three swords above them, which kind of represents the three of them. Yeah. And uh, in this scene, they're trying to, like, disguise themselves. That's why they're wearing masks. Because <laughs> they're going into enemy territory, but they have to move through enemy territory. And so, <laughs> but one of the characters has, like, this cheeky-looking mask on, like, this big sil- silly grin and has four of the swords. So it's kind of like, and what hap- ends up happening in that episode is he tries to show off some of his firebending skills because they're in a firebending area and he ends up revealing that he's the avatar and he's like public enemy number one <laughs> in the fire nation. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of like this idea of don't reveal too much of yourself mm-hmm. because it's more important that, so co- going off the generosity thing, it's more important that you are genuinely generous as opposed to being showy about it yeah which is really funny because i had a car my tarot of the day on the day we're recording was about not being showy there's a lot of this performative stuff that's going on right now and it's hard because you want to particularly with the brianna taylor thing Mm -hmm. I even hate calling it a thing, but like being vocal about the injustice that Brianna Taylor and her family have received sometimes feels performative. Well, you know what? It's not about me, but sometimes it can get performative and you basically just have to keep that in check. Yeah. And I think that's what the seven of swords is about in particular with this whole thing, like who you're meant to be. And it plays off of the six of six of pentacles, Mm -hmm. particularly like, be generous, be kind, be material, materially generous even, but don't be like, hey, you know, I bought somebody lunch today. Right, right. <laughs> like, or, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just like the backbone for my friends right now because they just can't handle life. And yeah. there's no need for that. And that really isn't going to help anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if we want to see the change that we want in our society and our culture, then it has to come from a place that's really genuine because that Mm -hmm. is the change that we want to take place. Well, that was such a cool spread. I love that. Thank you so much. That was, yeah, it was a little, I was nervous about like how I was going to do the spread, but yeah, that was fun. So we'll have pictures up on the Instagram. I didn't talk about too much. I said I was going to, so this this morning I found this amazing account because I follow Nadia Corfor on Instagram and they were they've been featuring Binti on this account called Afrinomenon. A F R I N O M E N O N, which we will link in cool. our show notes and yeah. on our Instagram. They have been talking about Binti. They made a Binti inspired playlist on Spotify. Oh awesome. I've been listening to it. And I love it. There's a song on there called My Power, which is one of the best songs I think I've ever heard in my life. And I want it. I I need it. It's so good. 
but there's some really cool artwork on there. There's a really cool mini video explaining the difference between Afrofuturism and African futurism. And Nadia Corfort explains it better than I could. So go watch that. Yeah, I um, did not know that there were two separate terms for that. I know. I didn't either. I mean, this is a whole new genre for me, period. So mm-hmm. the account Afrenomenon. And it's championing phenomenal fantasy and science fiction by black storytellers. So we'll probably awesome. be referencing that account in the future. Yeah. So now, but give us the short version. Is Binti Afrofuturism or African futurism? African futurism. Uh, okay. Because it is not centered around the West. Oh. Afrofuturism is not. Afrofuturism is black futurism but african futurism is not centered on western like african american futurism oh cool okay awesome seriously go watch the video i I will she just explains it so succinctly she's brilliant huge fan of miss okora for or dr okora for for life oh by the way she's gonna publish a new novel next year i think it's like her 20th novel wow but also y'all Binti is being officially developed by Hulu for a series. I'm stoked. That's amazing. Well, and for all you witchy types, she's written a young adult novel. uh, Like, I think it might be a series, and the first one is called Akata Witch. Oh, snap. See, so I know V, you're going to go check that out. But I, I think it's like YA or something like that, but I haven't read it. Like, this I'll is. I'll find my... it. Yeah. <laughs> I will find it. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Hooray. All right. Anything else we need to tell the people? Well, oh, our next book. Yeah. Find Me Gone by yeah. Sarah Muleman. Yes. And we will uh, post that info on the Instagram too. At Fabulous yes. Fools Tarot. Yep. And find me at Mystical Millennial on Instagram. And find Karen at Grail Seekers Quest. Yeah. And don't forget the Mystical Millennial Podcast. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us for Binti. We'll see you in a month for Find Me Gone. Bye.